Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network, presented by Extreme Threads. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. You heard the man. What's going on, lacrosse fans? It's time for another episode of LAX Classified right here on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. Brought to you by our good friends at Extreme Threads and Associated Labels and Packaging. Jake Elliott, Evan Schemenauer with you once again. And Evan, I wanted to play like Cool in the Gang, Celebration, maybe a little Hallelujah, whatever the case is. It's time to celebrate lacrosse fans as they have reached a CBA in the National Lacrosse League and we're going to have a season here in 2018-2019. Thank goodness, Evan. Thank goodness. I mean, we would have had one boring winter without it, and I wouldn't have wanted to see what the other side of the equation would have been had we not had one, but cooler heads finally prevailed. We got a deal, and we got games coming up in just a little over two weeks. Yeah, it's going to be a very short training camp here. They'll have uh, Players are going to be in camp this coming weekend. They'll get one more week of camp, and then the regular season will begin on December the 15th. Before we kind of get into the juicy details of the CBA, uh, I want to let you know coming up this week on the podcast, we have the president of the San Diego Seals. I keep wanting to say GM, but he's not no longer a GM. The former GM of the Colorado Mammoth and Philadelphia Wings, for that matter. But now the president of the San Diego Seals, Steve Govett, will join us here on the podcast and new assistant coach for the Colorado Mammoth, Andrew McBride, former longtime Calgary Roughneck. I think it's going to be interesting to talk to Brider, who will kind of give us a player's point of view and a coach's point of view. He probably, as a player, wants to have seen these guys get everything they can get. But on the flip side, he's just embarking on his new coaching career and probably couldn't wait to get at it as far as a coach goes and looking at it from the other side a little bit as well. Yeah, I mean, he's had a heck of a career even out west here with Okus Oaks, but you know, end of the day, we've got a team. He's got a mammoth team that's uh, going to be one of the contenders this year. And interesting to see his take where he's got both sides of the coin to fall back on as to how things like this all work out. Indeed, indeed. We'll uh, maybe get a we'll flash back to the Minto Cup in, in Okotoks uh, last summer as well and maybe get a few comments from him on that as it seems so far in the rear view mirror now I can't even imagine but uh, we'll have Andrew McBride Steve Govett coming up here on Lacrosse Classified thanks for joining us once again folks and the new CBA Evan uh, we haven't seen a hard copy of it yet we're still trying to get our greasy little hands on that but uh, we do have some finer points that we can share with you on what exactly the players and, and Board of Governors owners have come to an agreement on, and we do know that it's a five-year agreement with an opt-out clause after three years for both sides. So after three years of both sides, either side say, okay, it's time to renegotiate. They can opt out just like the players did this time around. Uh, we do know the, the luxury tax, the salary cap will go up as will the player's salary each year that that happens. Uh, what else can you fill the fans in about what the new CBA entails, Evan? Sure. So the ATR uh, is out for now. We are dealing with a drop count situation that the owners had proposed. However, 
there's apparently language in the CBA itself that discusses specifically that the there must be talks towards an ATR system within the next three years. So hopefully when this comes to dealing with the next negotiation, that contentious issue, they've got three years to go and deal with it. Uh, we do know that the the salary ranges go up 4% a year. That, that doesn't mean that the players are getting a 4% raise. That only really guarantees the rookies, uh, the five or so franchise players in the league, and anybody making league minimum will go up 4%. Uh, everybody else might go up 4%, but it's not a necessity because if you're in the middle of a range, if the range goes up 4%, you're still within that fifteen to $30,000 range where it's going to fall. Now, the old CBA had already given the players an increase in those ranges of 3.5%. So we're only actually talking a half a percent or around $100 a year increase to where it would have been anyway. So we're not talking a whole lot. The expense reimbursements have been figured out. There's a small increase to the playoff bonuses as far as we're aware. Those are really the the main parts of it uh, that are playing out at the moment. But like we said, we just don't have all the details that we'd like to have at this stage to give a full assessment of it at this time. The other thing we should probably mention is that with the first two weeks of the season being canceled, uh, word coming that they will play the full 18-game schedule. They will make up those games. I think you said there was a total of seven games lost, and not every team is involved in those seven games lost. But there is some room at the back half of the schedule into late April where they'll try and jam some games in. You think they'll have to go squeeze in a couple before that, but the the main thing is there's not going to be any games lost here. They're going to play the full 18-game season. Yeah, and today the Rush are announcing that their uh, lost home game is going to be played on April 27th, so the, after the what would, would have been the last week of the regular season. Now that in turn, of course, pushes all the playoffs one week further back. Uh, but it's not the end of the world. Some of the teams won't be able to make it up on that date. I'm hearing rumors that Vancouver is going to make it up on that same weekend. But, for example, Georgia, uh, you can't exactly have Saskatchewan play a home game and then fly to Atlanta for another game that same weekend. So what, you mean there's that, no direct flight from Saskatoon to Gwinnett County? Evan, is that what you're trying to tell me? We need to get a charter plane or something like that, I swear to God. But, yeah, no, the... Uh, they're going to make that game up at some point during the course of the season. It won't necessarily be uh, towards the end. So we'll have to wait and find out where that all falls. And there's a few other situations where, you know, teams do have common bye weeks. Um, thank God I've got a brother that looks at stats <laughs> as much as I do. Yeah. And he actually well, managed just, to just, yeah, hang on. yeah. Hang on, Evan. Put, give your brother's Twitter handle out here because he, I don't know how long he spent doing this and I almost feel sorry for him because he, it was almost like he was trying to do the league a favor and figure it out for them. But give out your brother's Twitter handle because that thread of him organizing and, and saying what arena dates are open, which teams have that weekend open, when they can play each other. It's just incredible. So get, I want you to give his Twitter handle out so people can go check that out. Yeah, his name is Ryan Schimenauer. Twitter handle is rshem, R-S-C-H-E-M. And if you look at it, there's a thread that's about seven or eight tweets long that he actually looks at common bye weeks. You know, could they make it up on this week because of their 
Is there data available at that arena? He actually went and looked at every arena schedule to see what was open. And when that wasn't impossible, it's like, okay, well, the possibility of a Vancouver playing Toronto on a Friday night because Toronto's playing in Calgary on Saturday night. <laughs> you know, he went hard into that. And there were some actually very good possibilities that made it very apparent quickly that it wasn't that difficult to reschedule those seven games. Well, we thank him for that and uh, incredible stuff there from your brother. And uh, make sure you go check that out because he obviously spent some time on it. And uh, it was pretty impressive to, to kind of skim through. It's Jake Elliott at 7 Schemenauer. This is Lacrosse Classified on LAX All-Stars Podcast Network. We have Andrew McBride set to come on the big show, so we will take a quick break for this word from our sponsor, and we'll come back with the new assistant coach for the Colorado Mammoth, Andrew McBride, coming up here on Lacrosse Classified. Associated Labels and Packaging is in the business of creating first impressions. They'll help you reflect your company values accurately by offering solutions that fit your product needs. With the latest in printing technology and over 35 years of experience, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit for your company to take your labels and packaging to the next level. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on Lax All Stars. Uh, big thanks to our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging. Fans, don't forget they create first impressions. Make sure you check them out at Associated Label or Associated Labels.com or their social media handle, Associated LP, as in Labels and Packaging. Andrew McBride now on the line with us here on Lacrosse Classified. Andy, thanks for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me, fellas. Well, uh, Andrew, where do we start? Uh, I guess just give me your reaction uh, when you got the news over the weekend that they finally had a CBA done deal. Obviously excited. Excited for the owners and the players and obviously most excited for the fans. I think lacrosse is at such an important junction right now, both from a player perspective, from a growth perspective, from really trying to showcase the, the game across the globe. That's something needed to get done. And I know there was hard feelings on both sides. There was tough sledding on both sides. But I'm glad everybody could come together and really get the product on the floor, a product that's never been better, a product that's going to new markets and really going to showcase what lacrosse is all about. And I know everybody from players, management, myself as a coach, is excited to get going. Now, you've got the unique perspective of you've been on now both sides of that coin. How difficult is it now to mend these fences when there's been a lot of bad blood out there for the last little while? Well, I don't, I don't know if it's bad blood, but mending the fences is something you definitely need to talk to as a group. And I think the message is when we get to camp, there's no more distractions. It's in the rearview mirror. Talking about it is not going to do anybody any good. We need to focus on what needs to be up in front of us. We have a short time frame to get ready from a technical aspect, from a strategic aspect, um, and, and really not to use it as a distraction. Sure, in the past, the last month has been hard on everybody. But let's really have that championship mentality. Let's have that business-like mentality and flip the switch. So the quicker we can address that, and I think it is important to address that. I think it's important to address it with the players um, and say, once we've talked about this here, it's not going to be a distraction and we're on to business. Do you think that conversation comes from management or is it the coaching staff or is it maybe the captain of the team that gets everybody together or is that maybe two separate conversations where the players kind of, you know, they, they huddle up and say, all right, let's let's focus on business. Or is it maybe Pat Coyle kind of gathering everybody and going, okay, this is behind us now, folks, and, and we need to really focus on, on the task at hand. Like you said, 
it's going to be a, a challenging season in the regard for coaches that you're only going to have two weeks of training camp and you being a new coach in particular trying to implement a system that probably a lot of guys haven't played in before so you, you get that out of the way but back to my original question who's the one that delivers that message well, I think every great team I've been on, every successful team I've read about in sports, communication is such a vital part. So I think the message needs to come with everyone. You need to be able to have conversations with the players on a management level from a coaching perspective and really be able to dial in on all levels. Of course, you know, Dan O'Carey, I'm sure, is going to address the team and Patty's going to address the team. But the way we can go about handling this the best is being unified as an organization, getting everyone together, making sure there's no questions, making sure there's no gray area, and moving forward together. So I think it'll be a, a cohesive group. It'll be a, a group effort talking about it. And like I said, once once those conversations have been had, there's no rumblings, there's no inklings about it. That conversation is now dead and we're on to business. Now you've got two weeks to try and put a team together how do you go about this? You got a lot of rookies that you're going to have to look at. Are you going to have some exhibition games or is it strictly going to be on gut feel? How is this process going to play out? Yeah, we're still waiting to hear. I know Daniel's busy working that and it's a tough scenario. Obviously um, having two new coaches and myself and Sean Williams, we, we were lucky a couple of weeks ago. We went down, uh, Dan brought us into Colorado. We watched four or five games. We really tried to dial in on our philosophies, the language, the message that Patty Coyle wants to get through. But it's going to be an interesting dynamic. I think it's when it's condensed into a to a smaller format, that it really puts a lot of pressure on not only the players but the coaches. Um, I think we have to have realistic expectations on what we're trying to do. But the process is going to get kind of pushed forward in a faster manner. It's harder for the guys to compete for a spot. Um, it's harder to really fine tune the systems, and you're really going to rely on veteran players and myself, a veteran coach like Pat Coyle, who's won at all levels, who's a Hall of Famer, to really help kind of guide us in the right direction. But it is kind of going to be, you know, learning by fire, and the quicker we can get up to pace, uh, the better. Is there going to be some mistakes in, in growing process? Sure. Um, but that's what coaching is all about. It's being able to adjust. It's be able to see our team's strengths and weaknesses and put guys in place or put a system around to put our players in the best position. I think that's going to be the key is I'm not going to come in here or I know Sean's not going to come in here and say, this is how things are going to be going. Uh, we're going to rely on Pat and we're going to rely on our players to dictate what kind of things we're going to do. Speaking with Andrew McBride, the assistant coach of the Colorado Mammoth. And that's kind of the next question I wanted to ask you, Andrew, is that coming into a, a, a team like Colorado and, you know, a pretty predominant coach like Pat Coyle, who's, who's got his beliefs and philosophies and ideas but you got a couple of guys like Sean Williams, one of the best to ever play the game, and, and you know he's going to be a Hall of Famer. You had a long, long career, a former captain in this league as well. When you come into a situation like this where you have an established head coach, but you got two new assistants, you have your ideas and ideology and, and how you want to see your defense play, but do you coach the system that Pat Coyle wants his defense to play, or do you come in and coach your system and the same for, for Willie? Well, I think it comes down to trust. You know, the, the situation with Pat where he's with Chris Gill and Stroopy, who are some of his best friends. They have a, a huge comfort zone with them. And even relating it to myself coaching in with the Raiders, you know, you're you're confident and you have a great system with your coaches. Listen, Pat Coyle is the head coach. We are going to implement the systems we want, but it becomes a trust factor. The more we can gain trust in each other and work through things, he's going to give me more rope to prove ourselves. So 
he I know he's you know when we met in Colorado it was great watching the video we really had great conversations on some things I'd like to do maybe he didn't agree with it but at the end of the day he's the head coach and we want to deliver his message now can we change things and bring things in and you know give our opinion absolutely we can um, and that becomes a trust factor so I think we're all great lacrosse minds I know Sean and I are not stubborn people I know I'm very open to learning and working and understanding what the best situation is. So it's going to be a very fluid plan. But in terms of right off the hopper, it's we get together as a group, we put our input, but the ultimate call is going to be on Patty um, because he's had success in this league. And it would be naive of me and selfish of me to come in and say, this is what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to run it. I have a lot to learn and it's a big adjustment for me, um, both from the communication, dealing with older kids, dealing with guys that are a lot more mature. Um, so it's going to be a big learning curve for me. So give us a preview this year. What can we expect out of the Colorado Mammoths? Yeah, you know what? I, I love the group we have. I think talking to guys in the offseason, um, getting a guy like Dan Coates back, who's an ultimate competitor, um, having some of the best offensive players in the world, uh, led by Ryan Banash, Nobes up there, and of course, Wardo in the pipes. Whenever you have a top echelon goalie, it makes things a lot easier. So, you know, watching the tape, the thing that I think that we can bring is a sense of urgency. I think we have the skill. I think we have all the necessary in terms of systems, but it's trying to bring the message on, hey man, careers are short. If we want to win a championship with this group, we can't take practices off. We can't come on the floor 50, 60, 70% of the way. We need to be engaged and have that championship mentality all the time. And, you know, that's how I played the game is never take shifts off, practice extremely hard, play with a chip on your shoulder, compete always. And those are some of the little things that I think we're going to try to bring to the table. Do we need to make wholesale changes? Absolutely not. We have all the pieces in place. It's really getting that belief and that swagger and the attitude that this is going to be in our year and nothing's going to disrupt it. And the way you go about doing that and handling your business is taking care of the little things because it might not seem like a big deal to run uh, onto the floor, not hard five or six shifts, but if everybody does that, it really adds up over the season. So the mentality of championship mentality or bust is something hopefully I can bring to the equation and get the boys fired up and hopefully use some of my experience, both coaching and playing to help deliver that message and make them feel comfortable in the system. But what's it going to take for the Mammoths to finally get past the rush and into the finals this year? Belief. I think belief. The understanding that, you know what, we're coming in and you can't be doing the same things that have made you comfortable. You can rely on skill. You can rely on all these separate things. But you need to be able to look in the mirror and you need to be able to take criticism. You need to be able to take praise and adjustments and say, hey, we haven't been able to get the job done. What are we willing to sacrifice all year? to make us a successful team. And that comes from an organizational standpoint, a player standpoint, communicating the messages to our players, how we need to be successful. Listen, the NLL has the top players in the world. The parity in the league is unbelievable. You could come out here. We could start 0-5. We could be 5-0. and It really is a league where the top to bottom isn't a big difference. So being able to really rely on your captains, your leaders and players to get that expectation and the level of compete where it needs to be, in a quick manner is going to be important. So I know I'm really excited. It's been hard. I know I know our coaching staff's chomping at the bit, um, and, and I couldn't be luckier to come into a to an organization and to a team with stacked with players. And, and we're close. We're, we're right there to being a champion in this league, and, and hopefully we can get there this year. And I guess it'll be nice as we speak with Andy McBride, new assistant coach here for the Colorado Mammoth, to actually walk into the Pepsi Center, the Loud House 
as a fan favorite and not as the ultimate enemy wearing uh, red and black? It's a great place to play. You know, the fans are passionate. Um, it's an environment that breeds success. The, you know when you come to the arena, it was always my favorite place to play because you know you were in for a game. You know the energy is flying, the teams are buzzing around, um, and fan support in the NLL is a really big thing. To be able to have fans that give back to the communities, to understand the game of lacrosse um, is something I know the organization takes a lot of pride in. And being someone that's coming in for the first time, um, I've been treated so well and so professionally to start. And I'm really looking forward to being able to get in there and get the energy buzzing and uh, get off to a good start here this season. Well, just uh, be careful. Don't choke on all that Harley-Davidson uh, exhaust uh, pregame uh, standing on that bench there, Andrew. I, I don't think we've chatted since, uh, well, I want to say late August in Okotoks, Alberta. So I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, check in with you there. I know your Raiders didn't make it into the Mental Cup final, and, and that was a disappointment for you. But uh, just... Maybe a brief synopsis, a little recap of uh, what the experience was like for, for you and your Raiders at Minto Cup in, in a Minto that was was a wild one. Let's say that. It was. You know, it was a great – it was almost a, a tale of a, a few different stories. I think the two top teams that were in the finals in Brampton and Coquitlam, led by, you know, 12-plus 21-year-olds, were some of the best lacrosse teams that I've seen in my five Mintos I've been to. They were well coached. They were dynamic. They were big. They were seasoned. And it was definitely a humbling wake up call for our kids. Uh, the first game against Brampton was, was a, an eye opener, something you never want to be on the, the end out, but it really set the expectations for our kids. And you know what? After that, our kids performed extremely well. We had such a young squad. We graduate only three guys. We have the base of our team coming back for the next year or two. Um, and the future is extremely bright. I was extremely impressed how we played. Even in the semifinal game, you know, we were tied with Coquitlam after one. Uh, we were down by two after two periods. And if it wasn't for Christian making, you know, three or four big saves, we were right in that game to win that game. So uh, in terms of a tournament, it was it was a great final. So obviously, the distractions off the floor were something that you never like to see in lacrosse. You want the product to speak highly on the floor. But full kudos to Coquitlam. They were a well-oiled machine. They ran a defensive system that was physical. They made in-game adjustments. Brampton was a highly skilled team that you could see had been together for a long time and competed. In terms of lacrosse, like I said, two of probably the best teams that I've seen at the junior level um, and always exciting to have in our backyard. I think the fans got treated to a great experience. Our, our organization committee did a great job, and I was really proud and fortunate that our kids have had this experience. And it really is going to serve us well going into the next year or two and make us stronger here for another Minto run. Andrew McBride, I'm not sure you can say it any better than that. I'll let you get back to your young family. I know you got your hands full there. And uh, best of luck with uh, the new coaching endeavor in Colorado. I know training camp just around the corner, and you're super excited to get after it. Uh, We're excited to see what the Mammoth can do as well. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us here on Lacrosse Classified. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It's going to be a great year. I'm glad that all fans get to experience the the best lacrosse in the world. It's going to be an exciting season as always, and we're looking forward to get started and bring a championship to the Colorado Mammoth organization. Andrew McBride of the Colorado Mammoth here on Lacrosse Classified. Quick break coming up, but next we have the president of the San Diego Seals, Steve Govett, coming up. Serving the business and sports community since 2018, Extreme Threads provides custom design apparels around the world. Specializing in lacrosse, they deliver exceptional quality and service, customizing box and field team apparel and uniforms. 
Extreme Threads offers free design work and takes the time to ensure you get exactly what you need for your team or club. Contact Extreme Threads at sales at extremethreads.ca for your custom apparel needs today. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Thanks to our friends at Extreme Threads. Fans, customize your team with Extreme Threads. You can find them online at www.extremethreads.ca. Mention me, that's Jumbo, PXP for sports, Jake, whatever you want to call me. Tell them that you heard this on Lacrosse Classified. And if you sign up for an apparel package for your team, your coach or your manager, they get a bunch of free stuff. Find them at sales at extremethreads.ca. We are now joined by the president of the San Diego Seals, one Steve Gubbett. Steve, thanks for joining us here on the podcast. Thanks for having me, fellas. Well, uh, I guess uh, it's a good thing that we have you on the podcast because that means that we have a collective bargaining agreement in place, which is a great thing for you and in particular the San Diego Seals who are in a real tough position, Steve, kind of waiting to roll out their new franchise. You had all this excitement and buzz building around the team, and then you had to go and tell your fans, hang on, we've had to cancel the first couple of weeks of the season and put things on hold. But now that's in the rearview mirror. What's what's next here for San Diego? Well, flurry of activity today, of course, right? It's the first day after the Thanksgiving Day holiday on Thursday and then Fridays, uh, we were we were booking a lot of flights on Friday in anticipation that uh, that we would get things together and, and a deal would get ratified over the weekend. Uh, but a flurry of activity today to prepare for a practice this weekend and a training camp and, and a condensed training camp. You know, two weeks. It's it's a little bit like the the old days of the M I L L where we did two two weekends of practice and then you pick your team and here you go. Make them wear, um, make them wear so, spandex during training camp then, right? Well, I've always advocated for the spandex. I, I don't think you actually build enough character by wearing shorts. So, you know, if you got to trot yourself out in spandex, you better be a tough character. So, so you and Patrick Merrill and your group probably have one of the most difficult jobs in the NLL right now. You've got what, about 50 players signed. You've got no resemblance of a team in the past to base what you want to mold your team in the future. How do you, in two weeks, try and determine how this team's going to look? Well, I think, you know, we were prepared. Pat and I have had a lot of conversations. I mean, make no mistake about it. Uh, Pat's a rookie coach and we're a new team, but uh, I think the collective national lacrosse league firepower within our executive group and our, our coaching room, you know, they've, they've been around this game for a long time and, and, you know, maybe a couple free agent signings that we're about to make here in the next couple of days are going to, you know, are, are going to round out a pretty strong leadership group amongst our organization. So you mean there's still the um, well, that 10 after all this, <laughs> um, there may be, um, but, but, you know, Pat's been, uh, Pat's been anxiously awaiting this opportunity. And, and I think whether we had, you know, a month or whether we had two weeks, um, you know, the cream rises to the top and, and ultimately you have to make some decisions quicker than, you know, normal. Um, but I guess, uh, you know, and I, I've heard the conversations in the past, you know, 24 to 48 hours about how it's going to be difficult for us to put together a team because we don't know, um, who we have or what we have. And I, I think ultimately the biggest challenge will be chemistry. Um, 
but I, I can tell you that I, I'm pretty sure we're going to be a competitive group. We're going to be, we're going to be in great shape. You know, we're going to be in, uh, we're going to work hard and, and that's going to be kind of the basis of the seals. Um, we're not going to be outworked. So, you know, when you couple that with some of the experienced guys in the room and some of the youthful passion that uh, I think we can bring to the table, you know, there's a lot of guys excited about launching an expansion team on our side of the ledger. And, and uh, we just have to do it a little faster than we thought. Speaking with the president of the San Diego Seals, Steve Govett, uh, I want to jump back to the, the CBA a little bit here, Steve. And, and you're a guy that's been around this league for a long, long time. And probably not the first time you've had to go through uh, something like this. And from all accounts, I think you're a guy that kind of likes to mix it up a little bit in the boardroom as well. You like to have your voice heard, which can be a good thing in negotiations. Uh, at the end of the day here, this five-year agreement um, from a president's point of view, let's say that, how do you think the deal shook out? Do you think it's a, a fair deal for both sides? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Do you think we're going to go through this again in, in five years, three years from now? <laughs> Ultimately, when both sides feel like they don't like the deal, then it sounds like it was a fair deal. Um, you know, and, and I've been through this. I, I want to say this is my eighth CBA uh, in the National Lacrosse League, National Lacrosse League wow. um, or CBA negotiation. I, I, you know, I went through a couple of them as a on the player side as a member of the PLPA, and then have been. I've been at the negotiating table. I, I was not at the negotiating table on this particular. Um, process or cycle, um, you know, and, and so ultimately, what I would say is, the last time we went through a collective bargaining agreement, it was in an effort to ask the PLPA to give us concessions so that we could keep teams alive and survive. Uh, uh, that's a good thing, you know, or, or sorry, that was a challenging process. And I will tell you that Peter Schmitz and 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 the PLPA. Um, gave us concessions in the last negotiating process that allowed the NLL to continue to survive. And so they, they should be credited significantly for, for doing that, as well as a lot of owners that, that have been and continue to lose millions of dollars uh, in, in you know, their support of professional lacrosse and professional indoor lacrosse. And, and so a lot of credit to both sides in the last CBA. I think in this CBA, what is a massive juxtaposition for everybody to understand is that we're now the, the basic argument or the basic dispute was how we're going to measure growth. So there's a lot of really positive momentum that people are talking about in comparison to five years ago when the players agreed to a deal and, and the league agreed to a deal that was talking about concessions and a doomsday scenario to help us survive. You know, in this discussion, it was about the positive growth metrics, right? And the indexes by which we measure growth. So I would tell you that in essence, I thought it was a very fair deal from the beginning. I think what was negotiated in October was very fair. And, and the deal structure that was agreed to over the weekend looks a lot like it did in October. Um, where the dispute took place was in the concept of what indexes and what measurement we use to bring the players along with growth. 
And I can assure you that there was a mechanism in place in our deal early on in the process to bring the players along. They didn't like the way we were doing it, and we didn't like the way they were were doing it. But I can assure you that we both agreed that they should not be left behind and that we're talking about growth and we're talking about the expansion of the league, not only from a number of teams perspective, but in revenue and a lot of other things. I will tell you, you know, one additional note was the National Lacrosse League has all along shared revenue with the players at a league level. And that has not been a significantly positive growth metric for a very long time. But where I see the biggest growth opportunity in the National Lacrosse League is not at the revenue of the teams, but it's really at the revenue of the league, where we look at potential television or broadcast deals. Obviously, everybody talks about BR Live right now, but but what what's the next television deal and and how that's going to help us grow? You know, expansion, we share in expansion revenues on a percentage basis directly with the players themselves. The teams actually pay those players. They don't pay the PLPA, they pay the players. And so the point of that is that's not done in any other professional sports league sharing and expansion. So we've done that and we agreed to that 12 years ago. And so uh, I just want to, you know, the misconception that the owners don't want to help share in the growth of the league is not true. It's just a matter of how do we fairly measure that process. Uh, I think that's really good information there, Steve, as we speak with the president of the San Diego Seals. And, and I think you laid that out perfectly on, on how that process works. And it kind of leads me into the, the next question here for you. And, and you mentioned expansion. Uh, we saw November 15th kind of come and go by the wayside with a new franchise set to be introduced and that got put on hold or canceled still really kind of unclear on whether that was a league decision due to optics or whether the ownership group said, let's hang on a second here until a CBA is reached before we actually jump in the pool. Can you give us any kind of an update on, on where that situation is? When can we expect an announcement? Will an announcement come or, or where are we at with that? Well, I can, I can very emphatically say that's not my place to say. So um, the league and our new potential owners, I can assure you, were and are in lockstep along the way in this process. Um, and, and so I can assure you that the commissioner will address that situation in short order. Fair enough. Now, with the with the seals themselves, um, you lost your home opener. It was a game that you had promoted quite heavily for probably about four months. Is there any lingering damage that's going to be created because of all this, or is this fan base still ready to go? Well, I think your guess is as good as mine on that. I mean, I, I don't know that it's fair to ask a question about what I think the damage will be. I mean, ultimately our job is to assess the damage and, and, and to address what we can in the marketplace to continue to drive the excitement. I will tell you, and, and what I can tell you are facts. When we canceled our first game on December 8th, our season ticket, our, our, our account representatives called every one of our accounts and, and it took them three days to do it. Um, we have, you know, we have eight account reps and 
and those people were on the phone straight for three days, called every account holder, not one account holder on our season ticket side, asked for a refund. So that's great news. Um, we rolled over tickets. You know, that was a huge, huge, huge day for us. So what was a, a really excruciatingly difficult morning on the day that we made that announcement, because we were definitely felt like we were crippled by this and hurt by this. What I felt was the momentum of a young staff that got together and, and really was galvanized um, with positive thoughts in the marketplace and went out there and had these amazing conversations with people that have supported us, you know, sight unseen, right? They, they don't know what they're getting. And where we, 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 in addition to that, we also called every one of our sponsors, not one of our sponsors or protect, potential sponsors said, we're not going to support you. Every one of those sponsors said, we're sticking with it. Well, you know, we love what we've heard. You guys are building something special. Uh, and it's been energizing to say the least. So as excited as we were with the response leading up to December 8th, um, I can tell you that the position that we're in today is really a galvanized staff and excited and positive about what's coming, obviously working very hard, in some cases very frantically. Um, but what's really exciting is, is the response to the marketplace. Now, we have to introduce the game to more people. That's what we have to do every day. Uh, I really want to try and, you know, figure out a way to do what Saskatchewan did. Um, obviously tough, you know, when you bring in a, a team that just won a championship uh, <laughs> into a marketplace that, that uh, doesn't know what they're getting. But I'll tell you what, we're going to put on a great show and we're going to have a lot of super excited people there for our January 12th opener. Well, I have to say it's probably one of the hardest working staff because I think I've been contacted six times for season tickets by now. They, they just quite haven't figured out that your area code is, is not somewhere in California. Mind you, there's about 10 California area codes, so you just never know. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, speaking with President of the San Diego Seals, Steve, got a couple more minutes here. You mentioned uh, just two weeks of training camp, Steve, and, and I don't know what your, your plan is. Maybe you can tell us. Um, are you going to bring all the boys down to San Diego? I I got to say, like it's some of the pictures I see you put out and, and the Seals account put out on Twitter, you know, guys standing on the beach with the jersey on and the sunset. Like I just, I think to myself, man, like I got to move to San Diego. But what do you what what's your plan for for training camp? Are you are you going to hold it uh, up in Vancouver? Are you going to bring the boys down to San Diego? Are you meeting in the middle somewhere? What's happening there? Yeah, no, great question. We we're we decided that uh, because you have to do so much from a media perspective, meaning photos and video and, and headshots and interviews and, and all the things that we have to do, um, we decided that we're going to go with everything here in San Diego. So uh, this weekend, uh, the guys are coming in Thursday night. Uh, we'll have physicals Friday morning and then practice Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, and then the following weekend, the December 8th weekend, which was supposed to be our first home game, uh, the building is still available. It looks like we're going to have an open date on December 8th in the building. So what we're hoping, and we've invited a number of national cross league teams to come down and, and play an exhibition game against us or, or play somebody round Robin or whatever the case may be and enjoy San Diego in December. 
uh, as opposed to what I think is is ridiculously snowy and gross weather in most of the the uh, rest of the, the North America, except for San Diego. So we invited everybody to come down here and enjoy December 8th down here with us and play a game. We're going to open it up free to the public. We're still working out the details for December 8th, uh, but we're going to do two weekends both in San Diego, get all of our business-related items taken care of with our players, get all those headshots. Uh, you know, the, the other teams, where it's most difficult for an expansion team is other teams can use, you know, old footage, right, old highlights in their open video and all that type of stuff. One of the things we were most disappointed in is the video that you probably saw with our guys running out of the water and all that type of stuff. We actually hired actors. We wanted to use our players because that's part of our open video. Um, really super cool sequences that we're, we're producing, uh, with, a, with an amazing production group, uh, motion picture production group here in, in San Diego. And unfortunately had to use stand-ins, uh, because that work had to get done a few weeks ago. But, uh, unfortunately, you know, that's where we're most affected is in some of the business metrics of, of what we have to do, you know, to put on a great show in the market. And, and that's the hardest part, right? Is, is not having, not having your players for video and, and some of the funny clips that you like to try and do and the comedy in between, right? Other teams can just simply plug into the stuff they've used in the past uh, and get through it at least for the first week. Um, ours, on the other hand, is a little more difficult. So excited. We have a house. Uh, we have a house that will house five players. We've got players committed and ready to come to the market as early as this weekend. And we'll be here uh, living in market right away. Uh, Kyle Buchanan moved in yesterday into his house um you know uh pat merrill is, is coming down with a, a special friend and they're going to be here for the for the next week so i'll tell you um, what if i can squeeze into frankie's uh goalie gear bag and, and find myself uh, down there man i'm i'm all for it <laughs> anyway well, sorry it. lots of information but there's lots of stuff going on I was going to say, it's minus 17 in Saskatchewan today. I don't think we'd have any issue flying down to San Diego for a training camp. <laughs> well, so, I've asked the rush. I just haven't got, you know, I haven't got that positive answer. Bruce Irvin, well, he was I down know, in, he was down in Vegas, San Diego Steve. fan. Yeah, he was down in Vegas for that Tiger and Phil thing, so he, uh, he still might be burning the candle for all we know. <laughs> so give us a preview. What do we expect this year? Is, is the expectation playoffs? Or what is the expectation, I guess, from the Seals for uh, this season? Yeah, look, I think I think we have to be focused on on making the playoffs as an expansion team. I mean, if you're not, then you know what's the point, right? Um, yeah, I think we want to win at home. Hey, we got to get some wins for our fans at home early. Show these people that we're not, you know, your typical expansion team. We think that that we've got some very special players. Um, certainly Austin Stotts and, and a couple of the other fellows that we drafted, um, you know, will surprise some people, of course, uh, you know, the expansion players as, as I think has been noted before, you know, you, you kind of know what you get. Um, we have an established, you know, national lacrosse league goalie in, in, in Frankie, um, Frankie Sigliano. And, you know, here's a starter, right. But the young kid that we drafted, uh, we think this kid can be really good. Uh, so, you know, we're setting setting the table, building the foundation right away, and you got to do it quickly. Uh, but by the end of the season, I feel like there's a team here that that can make some noise. Now, can we beat a Saskatchewan? 
remains to be seen. Um, can we be a Calgary? Don't know. You know, Colorado, same thing. You know, Vancouver, we think we can compete with, but that's why you play the games, right? You can't just pencil the W's and L's on your schedule and think you're going to get there. So anybody that's looking at the San Diego Seals and starting to pencil in W's because we're an expansion team, I think they should uh, they should probably reconsider that and, and come to play. Absolutely. As we speak with the president of the San Diego Seals, Steve Govett, uh, last one here for me, Steve. Uh, and let's, let's go back uh, to summertime here. And I can't let you go without talking about what went down in Israel. Uh... I don't know how to ask the question, but just give me your thoughts on, <laughs> on that gold medal and, and what took place. And, and maybe after you do that, you can let me know whether you're going to be in Langley in 2019 for the indoor games. Well, I'll definitely be there in what capacity. I'm not sure. Certainly, you know, Eddie Como uh, is the GM of that team. And, and uh, my, my stint with the, with the outdoor team was, was just for these particular games, uh, whether I choose to, uh, apply for the GM position uh, for 2022 remains to be seen uh, on the men's side. Um, certainly Gary Gate, uh, who is uh, working with the committee, Eddie Como working with the committee, Randy Mearns and those guys, you know, I have great respect for those guys and a great relationship. I think it's a, a really uh, great team of, of, you know, honored Canadians that, uh, I would proud to be, I would be proud to be a part of. Uh, so, you know, I'll be there certainly in Langley to, to watch, um, and hopefully cheer on a Canadian team that will, will show well again. Uh, Israel was, uh, I have to tell you an amazing experience. I'm not sure I'll go back, but, but, uh, amazing experience nonetheless in Netanya and, and Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, you know, what an amazing experience for the game of lacrosse with 48 countries represented there, special to say the least. Our owner, Josai, uh, you know, is, is a huge supporter of the FIL and a huge supporter of Hong Kong and 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 just lacrosse in general. And, and the concept that we can get this game into the Olympics is, is something that we talk about on a regular basis and is very exciting. Um, you know, the game itself, I thought it was an amazingly competitive game and haven't had the chance to go back and watch it again, but do you think you like will? there was, it was a, I will eventually it was a slug fest. Um, it really was watching it from the sidelines. It, it was a slug fest of the two, you know, greatest lacrosse nations, you know, in the history of the game, just battling it out. And it was, it was amazing. And, and I was, you know, with two minutes left in the game up by one thought the Canadian team had a, an amazing chance to close it out, um, you know, and, and we didn't do it. Um, you know, the, the opportunity that the Americans took at, you know, with, with 13 seconds left on the clock, I think they got like five shots off. <laughs> and so, you know, so. Yeah, I'm sure so you've seen you the clip where somebody with, breaks that down, where like how they stopped the clock and they restarted when it should have, like it, it was a little bit longer than 13 seconds. Let's say that. Yeah, and, and look, I think the hardest part about that for all of us is the fact that the clock in the uh, in the stadium had flaws. You know, should we have continued to play, you know, through the whistle and through the end and through, you know, whatever the case may be? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you could say, you know, that's on us. But credit to the Americans, they never quit. And, and I don't think the Canadians quit as well. And, you know, Tom Schreiber scores a Tom Schreiber goal. 
right at the end and 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 it was an amazing celebration i mean part i think part of all of us in that uh experience wanted to see that game continue and be settled you know in an overtime setting but ultimately you know it was what a great lacrosse game and what yeah. a great celebration of the game um it's too bad it was in you know a relatively remote lacrosse community like israel where we didn't have you know 20,000 people packed into an arena cheering for that game because what a, what an amazing experience what a great game and and credit to to the guys on both sides i mean the canadians left it on the on the field uh in a tough situation that lasted 8 months before that right yeah. in in all the drama there and the american guys who are so well oiled and such a professional group and john Donowski, who's an amazing coach uh along with tony rash and ben deluca and and you know all the the group that they had on their side um, along with our coaches and Matt Brown and Taylor Ray, and Randy Mearns and, uh, you know, Merrick Thompson, just an amazing group of, of what a collection of, of amazing lacrosse talent across the board, minds and coaching, uh, executives and, and all the way through the players. What an amazing experience that was! Yeah, absolutely. It's it's going to make for an unbelievable setting and and rematch, if you will, in in twenty twenty two in Coquitlam on on home soil. I I think uh, I I mean it seems like it's far away, but it's really not, and it's it's going to be incredible once once it gets here. Steve, uh, really appreciate your time coming on. Best of luck uh, with the upcoming season with the the San Diego Seals, and uh, I'm sure you're excited about your boy down at Delaware too. Uh, the Jakester getting to play with the Blue Hens in NCAA lacrosse as well. He's doing well. Excited to see him score a few for for the Blue Hens in the fall ball. But uh, you know, they their schedule just came out the other day with them going to Michigan and playing at Hopkins, and you know, some some really cool opponents and. Excited to see what he does at the next level. I think, you know, the preview is there's a lot of dads that are National Cross League executives and, you know, Jamie Dawick and Kurt Styers and, and a number of other guys with young boys, you know, young men that are going to college and making this next step that you're going to see this generation of old names mm-hmm. making it into the new National Cross League and expansion over the course of the next five to ten years. What a really cool experience. Yeah, we're in for an exciting time, no question about it. Uh, thanks for joining us again here, Steve, and best of luck in the upcoming season, and we'll definitely uh, catch up here down the road. Some good insight there, Evan, on, on both those teams. I, I'm still a little unsure what Colorado is going to be this season, but I do know when you got Pat Coyle, you got Andrew McBride and Sean Williams on your bench, that instantly becomes one of the best coaching staffs in the National Lacrosse League, and I think they'll get the most out of that roster here this season. Yeah, I mean, you've got a few defensive holes that you've got to deal with because of the expansion draft and what have you. Um, but Saskatchewan's got a bit of a vulnerable side this year with a few defensive holes of their own. So if you want a shot at them, this might be that year. Um, of course, the ghost in Colorado's closet every year is getting past Calgary. So, you know, will they finally get past those two hurdles? We don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, I think both of us still have the rush as the favorite out west, but, you know, there's still going to be a strong team. You can't uh, pass them by. Yeah, we haven't really talked a whole lot about Calgary quite yet. And uh, listen, like Calgary to me, 
could really take the West by storm and surprise this year. You think about Del Bianco with another year under his belt, uh, the injection of the natural Jesse King into that lineup. Uh, Calgary, I think, is going to take a big step forward. T- Tyler Pace, you know, another year under his belt. There's there's some good things happening in Calgary, and I think they could surprise a lot of people. You look at San Diego, and and you mentioned uh, Steve Govett kind of alluding that a couple of big free agent signings were coming, which is is pretty intriguing stuff to hear. Uh, established starting goaltender in Frankie Chiliano. Austin Stott's the number one overall pick there. Like, I think they're going to be okay. And and like Steve said, they want to do their damage at home. They want to win their home games and, and then try and compete uh, through the rest of the regular season. And, and like you said, I think, you know, whether they can beat Saskatchewan is yet to be determined. They think they can compete with Vancouver and, and Colorado and we'll see against Calgary. So, um I think San Diego is going to be a competitive team, as I do Philadelphia. I think both those expansion teams, with the way they expa- picked in the expansion draft, are are going to be just fine as they they head into their inaugural season. Like I don't I don't expect anybody to be blowing anybody out in this league as a whole. No, and San Diego, of course, the free agent we're expecting there is that Brody Merrill is going to be making the trip down there. Yeah, they've got a very solid defensive base. You look at the guys that they pick in that expansion draft, they've got it there. They're a little thinner up front than Philadelphia is, you know, but Austin Stats, I mean, the sky's the limit for that kid, and you're expecting big things out of him. I honestly don't see San Diego finishing last in the West. I I think that Vancouver still will. Um, But for San Diego to get past the other three, uh, that's going to take one heck of an effort. You know, San Diego really is in this position where it, it really comes down to you've got a bunch of players that haven't played a lot together before. How well do they gel? If they do, they can compete any night of the, of the season. Yeah, it was really interesting to kind of see the two different approaches that Philadelphia and San Diego took in the expansion draft where Philadelphia really went after veterans, they went after offense, and San Diego went a little bit more after youth and defense and kind of built from the back out. What I love about San Diego is is what they do away from the lacrosse floor and, and how they engage their fan base. And it was great to hear Steve say that none of their season ticket holders asked for a refund during this uh you know, season cancellation, the threat of it and, and having to miss a couple of weeks. Uh everybody's still on board there in San Diego and one thing I know is Steve knows how to get a franchise off the ground. You look like, just look at Colorado and look what he's done there. I mean, and Steve Govett is a huge reason why Colorado is successful as it is, is because of what he was able to do there and and starting that franchise. And I would expect the same, him and Josh Gross uh, down there in SoCal to, to make the same sort of thing happen. And I think, once the fan base in San Diego gets a little taste of uh, indoor lacrosse, they are going to flock to it uh, like seals, let's say that. Yeah, and you've got an owner there that's going to give you the support that you need to make this kind of thing happen. You know, you're Joe Ty, I mean, you're looking at a guy that simply loves lacrosse. Throw the money aside for a second. This guy wakes up at 4 in the morning to watch American Field lacrosse from Hong Kong. That's the kind of guy he is. You know, they've they've pushed harder than any other team this year to get the season tickets out. Like I said before, I had at least six phone calls from their season 
uh, ticket base there. Other fans around here have had it. Um, and, you know, they're even looking at a, a, a trip from Saskatchewan to San Diego for the regular season game. So they're going to have a decent support base. You know, can they match a Saskatchewan? I think you're looking at an extreme example. But if they have 10,000 in the building, I think we're all going to be very impressed. Yeah, I think that would be a huge success. We might have to take the podcast on the road for a week, Evan, and make our way down to San Diego for a game. Uh, because, like I said, when I when I see all those pictures and all the stuff they're doing on social media, I just think to myself, man, like i I got to get down there. Like, it just looks so good. Yeah, no, it would be a great time. Uh Note, Steve Govett, if you want us to come down, we're free anytime. (laughs) Well, speaking of time, we're just about out of time here on Lacrosse Classified for another week. A big thanks to Andrew McBride and Steve Govett for coming on the show. A big thanks to you, the listener, for uh, sticking with us and listening to Lacrosse Classified each week right here on LAX All-Stars. Next week, we got a special guest coming up. I don't know if we should tease that quite yet, Evan. No, why not let the cat out of the bag? If you stuck with us this long through the episode, the commissioner, Nick Sakevich, will join us next week here on Lacrosse Classified, so make sure you are tuned into that. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all your local outlets uh, for podcasting. We are there. Lacrosse All-Stars is the website, our sponsors can't forget those extreme threads and associated labels and packaging a big thanks to them for supporting the show we gotta go though we're out of time here this week and we'll talk to you next week next tuesday that's when the show comes out thanks for joining us this week though and we gotta go for evan Sheminauer, i've been jake elliott and for the fastest game on two feet and for the creator we'll talk to you next time here on extreme threads lacrosse classified on lax all-stars